1: Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast, my name is Joel Sked and I'm delighted to be joined by another guest, this time the new editor of Nutmeg Magazine and author
0: Daniel Gray. Thanks for coming on Dan, how are you? Thanks for having me Joel, I'm alright, I'm having a strange day because my, my cat has brought home three mice which is unprecedented, a hat trick of mice so that's been the main thrust of my day has been my mouse disposal. I wonder if it killed with its right foot, left foot and with <laughs> its uh, head as well. Uh, just everything it's an all-rounder perfect hat trick yeah he's very proud of himself right now hopefully he'll bring home the match ball anyway hurry <laughs> on joe that's, that's the cat update for now <laughs> yes so
1: i want to get you on to explore a few different avenues including nutmeg of course but i think it's important to start with these last few months like me and plenty of the listeners football can play a kind of central part to your week how have you found these last five or so months
0: Just missed it so much, Joel. At the start, I thought, when people were saying, oh, we'll not be back in grounds till Christmas, I was thinking, there's no way that's going to happen. I can't live with that. Um, But as time's gone on, we've just accepted it. It's all all for the right reasons, it goes without saying. And there are many worse things in the world than there being no football. But um, I've struggled. Saturdays particularly, I find myself crabby, not a nice person to be around, really. I just <laughs> out of the routine, whether it's going down to Middlesbrough from Edinburgh to watch them, and in, in, in that routine of seeing my friends, or of going off around Scotland as I do to, to watch football at various places, missed it terribly. Um, there's no two ways about it. And and after a while, I thought I should stop apologising for the fact I'm missing football, because you feel bad saying it, given everything else that's going on. But it's a big part of your life, it's a big part of millions of our lives, and our mental health and and all of the rest. So, haven't coped well, sort of enjoyed some of the telly stuff, just because it's something, but on the whole, it has only emphasised how much they need us in the grounds and how much we need to be there.
1: Yeah, I think you touched on a good point there, where... You don't want to trivialise what's been a very serious uh, kind of moment in time. And to be honest, uh, to begin with, I didn't miss it all that much. But then you, you kind of start to yearn for it, and it is, it's a lot of it is escape, kind of escapism. And like I said, it, it plays a, a important part in many people's lives. People who are volunteers, people who uh, people mm. who work. So uh, while it is. Small in the grand scheme of things, it's still it's still, it's still very important. If I've I've, I've kind of found myself at each stage, I've I've missed something, something new. As uh, or just each each few weeks, something's changed. What's something that I've missed the most. Uh, can can you kind of relate to us? Or, or, has, or has there been this one thing that you've you've missed more than most?
0: Oh, you're right in saying various things, but each week something will get me. Very early on on Five Live, you know, many of your listeners will be uh, BBC Scotland listeners, and rightly so. Rather than Five Live, but as an Englishman, Five Live is my go-to on a Saturday, and they played the normal music early on when there was going to be no football and that got me I was leaning I remember leaning (laughs) as if I was crying and probably was and my wife thinking I was really concerned about the state of the world or something (laughs) because I've heard particular music that they play at five o'clock for sports report and then it's something different each week the other day I was mixing the nutmeg podcast trying to source a really good noise of the sound after a goal goes in and the goosebumps I got just listening to various, just that, that second, the ball goes in and that, then there's that pause and then you go mental. You'll know it well from when Tyne Castle's noisy, boy, is it noisy? And so it's, it's something different like that. Certainly this week, though, it's that moment of seeing your team score and embracing all around you. I, I'm, I'm missing that tremendously. But, you know, Middlesbrough aren't really scoring anyway, so there's no point <laughs> in us being there. But, but it's, it's the idea of it, isn't it? Yeah, because
1: I, I found I found myself a couple of times just out for a run and deviating towards Tynecastle just to just to get a get a look. for I know I, I could go on online. I could just look at pictures. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I'm going to run past there. Nothing's really changed, but it's weirdly just gives you um, gives you a wee boost just running past uh, running past the football stadium, knowing that it's it's still there.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. And there's a, there's a your attachment to your own stadium is really profound because you pay to get in, but you don't own any of it. And yet you feel if you have a season ticket that that's actually your seat. So we've effectively been locked out of our second homes. And that's a big thing, really. It's, it's a real home from home, even though you have some of your very worst times there. Mm it's a big part of you going back to that same place that it's a safe place in some ways it's just comforting and it it really is called home for a reason and I think we're realizing that a lot and each of us can't wait to get back into our own home in that way.
1: Yeah because you've maybe slightly different to some of the listeners is that your team has Meadows Brothers obviously been back in action you have being able to kind of watch from afar because you're still not missing that ability to to go to the ground. How have you found the watching behind closed doors on stream on the on the television? Because again, this is something that certainly the fans of this 12 teams in the Premiership are going to have to get used to for the first couple of months of the state season at least.
0: Yeah, I generally gave up on watching the streams quite early on because I found it so dispiriting, the fake noise and things. But I've mm. actually found it quite listenable because if you listen on BBC T's, it's not completely different to normally listening on BBC Tees. You know, there's a f- sort of fake rumbling in the background, but it's the same voices. And you're able to, as always with radio commentary, to build your own pictures. So you can build a full stadium in your head that way. So that's been the way I've, I've consumed it in general when it started out it didn't feel like real football I didn't consider us to still be stuck in the relegation quagmire that we are going into the last game um, tomorrow as we record and so it just felt surreal it felt like pre-season really because you weren't engaged you knew you wouldn't be going to games which I don't go to many friendlies because they're just dull and so it felt like that but as time has gone on it is proper the press conferences happen but they happen in a different way so there there are also because I write a lot about the small delights of football and one small delight of lockdown football has been the Zoom press conference and getting to see obviously the interiors of journalist houses and and when it uh, pans onto different journalists because they breathe a bit loudly or their dogs bark is a, is a tremendously exciting <laughs> thing. So you have, to, you have to sort of adapt by making your own little enjoyments of lockdown football or coronavirus football but on the whole it has to be radio and then watching the goals at night if there have been any and ignoring football altogether if we've lost again which is just standard practice whatever the time of year really.
1: Not watched much English football at all. I think watched a couple of Leeds games at most. And I obviously heard about the, the piping of the crowd noise. And when I read about that on social media or online somewhere, I kind of cringed. I was like, oh, that's really going to be off-putting. But I actually found myself quite liking it just because it's... Uh, I don't know if it was just because uh, Ellen Rose, but they they seem to have got it pretty much spot on. It was, it was slightly surreal, but it's, it was quite good that when you were just watching from your house, that you've you've still got that background noise of uh, a crowd, albeit uh, an imaginary crowd. Although, as someone who hopefully is going to cover a few games, I kind of don't want that because I, I want I kind of want to actually hear. The fan, sorry, the, the players, the manager because I think yeah. there was there was one earlier this week as we record. Matt Ritchie, the Newcastle player, yeah. uh, blasted at the linesman, and it
0: was picked up for everyone to hear, <laughs> calling him a wee dick. Yeah. And, and, of course, <laughs> and Andrew Robertson's rant at the referee was tremendous as well. That that's definitely on my list of uh, coronavirus football delights. Is getting to hear the players. You're right. I, I think it, yes, if I get to go to a small site, a game with not much crowd there, that. That is something you always enjoy, isn't it? Getting to hear what they actually say, getting to hear how they actually speak to referees and things like that.
1: There's yeah, because some... it's, it's something that fans of, certainly, and maybe in the Premiership, and the Premier League down in England, that they won't, because of the, the size of the crowds, they won't hear their players fully talk to their teammates, opposition players, the referee, whereas uh, even their interactions with the fans, whereas... Certainly in lower leagues, uh, certainly in, uh, in Scotland, you do get that. Yeah. You do you do get that addition to your football enjoyment.
0: Yeah, so, funnily enough, I've got a new book of football delights out later in the year. Good plug there, and one of them is hearing the players because until you start. Drifting down the leagues, you don't realize what a joy that is, and it's it's absolutely part of the experience for me of going to Cowden Beef and Morton and all the, the places that I love in Scotland and about Scottish football. It's hearing the things that people have enjoyed about Matt Ritchie and Andrew Robertson. It's hearing that every Saturday, tremendous.
1: Just, yeah, that, that that leads me on because I think I get safe to say that for us, myself and yourself, the, the football can be more about the action on the field. I mean, you've written about. You've written about everything that surrounds the game, got another book coming uh, coming out, you've got two or three already, just about like Saturday 3pm, and if you are told you weren't able to go to the football for so long back in March, before we had entered shutdown, is there something you would have, have done before the football actually shut down, Can a, a, a team you would have had to take in, a ground you have had to visit, oh, a pie you would have had to
0: eat in? Yeah, it's a brilliant question. I'll just it's a it's a broad answer initially that comes to mind is that I would there's been some Saturdays where I just haven't gone various family pressures or whatever mm-hmm. or just been a bit jaded. I won't do that again. I'll just go off anywhere. I, I generally do. I generally get on a train to Dunfermline or somewhere that's just easily reachable from Edinburgh. Uh, I won't have any empty Saturdays again though, I shall. I shall fill every one of them. But as for small things, I've missed. I've tried to fill the macaroni pie gap by buying them from Tesco. Not quite the same. So that's that's been a huge miss. I wish I wish I'd eaten more of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, in general, as a, as a place to go, unbelievably, I've been to probably 30 grounds in the Scottish League, and I've never been to Pitodrie. So that's the, one of the very uh, the top priorities for me when it comes back is to get to a game at Pitodrie, especially if it's going to be lost which looks in doubt now anyway but in the next few years so really to get get around grounds and stands that are under threat and to eat more macaroni pies
1: I think those are both very very good suggestions macaroni pies I, I've only only started the last few years really enjoying the uh, macaroni pie or just really kind of noticing them because yeah. at I it's, uh, it's the macaroni pie is called the vegetarian option <laughs> and although I'm not veggie, I, I do like a macaroni pie. So that's one thing I've been trying to do is sample them more often, but they are less... I think they, I, th- I think they've grown in popularity but then I think don't don't think clubs are quite up to uh, stocking them as they should because there's a few times I've went down before half time and there'd be no macaroni pies oh, left
0: hap- happens all the time Bit bane of my life I tell you there's another pie development during the summer is that bells have started doing a vegan scotch pie which I uh, sampled I am a, a veg actually um, sampled wasn't as good as i remember a scotch pie being back in my meat eating days but certainly an option to look out for in pie news and let's hope clubs fully embrace the pie range uh, in a celebration of all that's good in the culinary world of football interesting because i i've only recently tried uh, jibby willis
1: before share uh, the the lockdown the uh vegan sausage roll and it oh, was yeah. wasn't half bad so that yeah that's something else i'll be be keeping an eye yeah. out for i think uh Pie options are, I'm always split on pie options because I kind of like the traditional aspect of if you go to a game and it's a scotch pie, it's the steak pie or a macaroni pie, but then you sometimes get like a, I think it's more popular down south, but like chicken balty pie and, oh, yeah, and these well, these different options and you think these, uh, it, it kind of a game changer, but then again, I'm kind of, do I want to stray from my traditional roots of just wanting
0: to see three pies on the menu? Oh, I think you stick to your same thing at home, and then when you go to an away game, it's part of the whole uh, excitement and the exoticism. For instance, I was at Preston on New Year's Day, at our la- last uh, last time I saw us win, and they have butter pies there, which is essentially butter and potato inside your traditional crust. Um, tremendous! Uh, those heart- those are three very, same. very good, uh, <laughs> very good ingredients. <laughs> That's the vegetarian option. So I do, yeah, I enjoy the, the regional variations. And, and then I enjoy going to games in London and moaning about the fact they've got a falafel, even though I'm secretly really enjoying it.
1: <laughs> and just going back to the, the stadium side of things, I have I was kind of similar with you with the last certainly the last month or so, thinking I need to make sure that I go, once football's back up and running, make sure I go to games every weekend and maybe spread out a bit more in terms of who I go to see what grounds I go to I've done the, done the 42 but it's always good to go back and yeah and kind of spread the love so to speak and I was I had it in my head thinking right hearts are not going to be back in action until middle October so that's fine I can I can go to a different ground in the premiership every week and then the realization uh, kind of dawned on me that oh no it's going to be behind closed doors for so long
0: yeah that's the, the main pro about relegation is some different grounds, isn't it? That's a, if, if Borough go down, I'm thinking that as well. But yeah, who knows when away fans will be back in. That's a, that's a concern for that strategy, isn't it, definitely. So, so what, what
1: do you think the last few months uh, has, has done for s- football supporters? We've, we've had to contend with a lot of nonsense, certainly in Scotland, off the field. Do you think mm. it's only strengthened that that feeling? Do you think a lot, a lot of other people will be... In similar boat that that they are not going to miss that that chance when the football comes back around and wake up on a Saturday morning and think, "Nah, I'm not going
0: to bother." I think so. Certainly, initially, um, and then when we do get back to. 100% 100% capacities I think absolutely I, I think when that moment happens whether it's due to the va- vaccine coming through or what we will see a real attendance boom in the style of after World War One and World War Two uh, I think that we just have we're going to realise what we treasure and conversely I, I felt like footballers in their social media accounts and things and, and remarks about playing behind closed doors have have talked about really appreciating fans a bit more as well so I think that'll work both both ways. I hope so anyway. (laughs) I'm sure we'll be back to just barracking them after about four minutes but Um, it's it's been a a good time for for thinking like that definitely of course the the joy of being in love with Scottish football is it hasn't stopped being entertaining and it hasn't stopped being entertaining since the minute I moved up here about 15 years ago so it doesn't matter if there's no games in Scotland to an extent because it's every day there's still something to sort of bang your head on the desk at which is something I love about the game here. You mentioned
1: that you moved you moved up here, was it fifteen, sixteen years ago? So, so, so Scottish football in general, we've talked about. You're a you're a big Minorsborough fan, yet you wrote Stramash exploring the towns and teams of Scotland. How how yeah. did you how did you fall in love with Scotland
0: and, and why? Well, I I came up here to see Hearts. Actually, I came up to see Phil Stamp playing. Um, okay, because a Borough legend, and I had a Hearts mate that I got to know very friend a friend at university in Newcastle. And so he invited me up to go to see Phil Stamp playing at Fir Hill. Um, and Stampy that day was actually only on the bench. I think he'd been injured. But that same day we kept on drinking and I met my now wife in the Citrus Club on Lothian Road in Edinburgh at about one in the morning and I've never really gone back. So it was all, all down to the ginger Cupid Phil Stamp that I'm here. Um, but in terms of falling for the game... When I moved to Edinburgh, there was a Rangers shop and a Celtic shop, and I bear no ill will to those clubs. They're real impressive institutions. When you when you're from elsewhere, you do look up and uh, amazed by the size of them. But there was a Rangers shop and a Celtic shop in Edinburgh, and I, I just found the imbalance of the football here remarkable. Really, when you have two in this city, when you have two fantastic clubs in Hibs and Hearts. And then similarly, I would go to little towns and see the buses, the classic thing of the buses leaving from cope Bridge, Cowdenbeath to go and watch the old firm. And I really wanted to get to know the, the teams in those towns and the fans that were still going to watch their local teams. And I've always felt that you get to know a country by getting to know it's football football is social history it's how you get to know a town and so went off to 12 different towns watched 12 games researched the teams in the towns a lot as well in terms of the history and just thoroughly enjoyed it's 10 years ago now but just got to know the place so well by going to the type of places that Edinburgh folk go oh what are you going there for but you get there and it couldn't be friendlier the clubs couldn't be more authentic football often enjoyable frequently terrible but always something to write about and yeah I I really um, got to know the country well through that I think you, you do get to know a place by its small towns and its football teams. These were exotic places to me as an Englishman, <laughs> Queen of the South, St. Mirren, those names that you only hear on the results service. Uh to a lot of us from England, they, they just they have a real pull to them. You know, there's the reality slightly different when you get there, but it still does maintain that. And I still have that about Scottish football, that outsider's eye. So um I love the the sort of sarcasm there is about the game up here but sometimes it takes an outsider to draw out some of the beauty that there is as well and I will always defend the Scottish game from you know pretty much from the moment I got here I've, I've defended the Scottish game because um, I, I, I fell in love with it simple as that.
1: There's a lot that resonates there for, uh, for myself and despite being born in Scotland a lot of these play I would never have ventured to places like Elgin or Peterhead or for Probably Str- mm. like Stranraer as well. I I would never have gone to these places uh, without without football. That's mm. that's the only reason I have I have I've been to these towns, drank in pubs in those towns, learned maybe mm. a, a a little bit about each one. Is which ones really have really stayed with you
0: as a place of interest? And it happens to have my favourite ground, in it, I think Greenock's fascinating. Um, the history of Greenock's really interesting, the geography of it, the beautiful town hall in the centre of Greenock, a little fire engine museum. These little museums you come across in towns are always fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then walking up by the, the cranes and by the old sugar sheds with their relation to the slave trade and arriving at Capilo, which is my favourite ground that I've ever been to anywhere, um, that's, that'll always stick with me. You know, Greenock, Inverclyde has a terrible press, really, and it has, you know, had the worst statistics during the the worst of coronavirus, didn't it, I think? And yet there's a real beauty looking out to the water there and in certain buildings and with the backdrop of the hills, but most of all in the football ground. And I think I found, I just found it intrigue everywhere. I've always been fascinated by the history of Beef. So to mm-hmm. walk along and up in and high up in the town or a separate town, I guess they would argue a village, um, and see a street called Gagarin Way, named after the astronaut, makes you think, what is it? What's, why is it called Gagarin Way? And therefore, you go back and you look at the radical politics of Beath, the town where they once raised the red flag above the town hall. And so it really engages you with these places that are very much written off, especially by city pe- people um, in other parts of Scotland. So, they, you know, I would, it would be an, an odd safari that I took people on, perhaps. But there are interest, there's interest in all of these places and, and real pride among the people, I think. I think there's even...
1: It's interesting you mentioned cowden beef because I think there's even people who are big fans of uh, Scottish football who look at me strangely when I talk about and beef and wax lyrical about the the town, mm. the stadium that is a lot of certainly a lot of players within Scottish football their least, uh, yeah. least favorite least favourite stadium. That uh, do you find that yourself probably more so when you talk to people out with Scotland where you your eyes light up at the mere mention of just these random
0: places obscure places oh, com- completely absolutely uh, I know I, I knew about your we've perhaps discussed your soft spot for Cowdenbeef before yes. as well Um uh, yes and and it's really nice not having I go much Hibs because we live near Hibs um, and my daughter sports Hibs so that's the club we go to see most here but it's really nice not having any ingrained prejudices or likes or soft spots or irrational hatreds for any team so you end up treating everyone equally um, it's, it's a it, you know, it's a really good thing about being an outsider is you don't have, there are clubs in England I I hate for no reason I can can really get to, but I just don't have that here. So that, that, that stands you well anyway. And one reason I knew about these places was great photography, for instance, by Stuart Roy Clark and other football photographers like that. And I'd always wanted to see them and they've never disappointed. One of the strengths... In Scotland is actually the lack of money which seems an odd thing to say but it's meant that you haven't had any superfluous ground development any boring not too many boring out-of-town stadiums mm-hmm. a lot of things have been left as they were so in a way it'd be nice if there was a bit more money floating around don't get me wrong and a bit more distribution of it in a way that lack of money is, is something of a strength to, to people like me that love that heritage in stadiums.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm fully behind that because I, I think you mentioned the word authentic earlier on and I think that is a big thing where, where Scottish football, I think still I think it maintains a lot of realism. It's quite primitive which it's uh, it's almost r- realistic when it's naturally compared to down south in the, 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 the Premier mm. League and it still holds on to uh, that feeling of a bit old school and I yeah. think that if, if I was speaking to, if I was speaking to English football fans or football fans uh, anywhere I'd be playing, I'd be saying if you want a again authentic football experience, maybe being able to step away from the would you call it kind of the, the celebrityness of the, the Premier League and just want to find a, a country or division where football is grounded, you, you mm. should go to a, a Scottish football, but it still maintains roots of kind of tradition
0: yes absolutely right and one of the pleasures of doing nutmeg is writing photo essays where i go around with a brilliant photographer friend called alan mccready and what's coming to mind right now is that we did one on the social clubs of of Mm -hmm. various football clubs and they're just that they're either like the phoenix club or they're, they're just they're just brilliant you can't you can't help but smile when you go into these social clubs and they're a big, strong part of, of Scottish football as well. I'm picturing right now Linlithgow Rose and um, thinking maybe I can still go there, actually. That might be open. I'm, th- I'm planning myself a day trip without a match already. Um, <laughs> and, and, and yes, there's, there's, there's those elements to it that make it a long day from... You know, the, the journeys, usually, because I can't drive, so I'm always on a train or a bus, and therefore you get to see some countryside, you get to see some different stuff. Usually the journeys are beautiful. Usually I'm going to some interesting pubs, um, with often with, with no windows, or at least blacked out windows, but always some good social clubs as well. So the whole day is fantastic. You mentioned, you asked me about towns, and it's just come back to me now what a wonderful town Arbroath is, actually. I haven't been there oh, for years, but you're looking at a Championship Away Day for, for hearts. I hope you get to go on that one, because as you'll as you well know, Great train ride, brilliant town, and just one of the best grounds in football with a with a change of ends at half time.
1: Yeah, that's that. I, I Ross a place I could speak about positively for a long time. So first of all, when you, a big a big thing for an away day is when you get off the train and there's a pub, you know you're you know you're in a good place. There's a pub right next to the train station. I'm thinking of Ross County, literally five oh, steps. Great pub,
0: there. yeah. That's the, yeah, the Mallard. Superb. Yes. and
1: it's, it's the same same with our both. So it's it's just perfect for when you are you you finished the game or left early, just uh, stand in the pub, and you know that okay, I can miss one train, you can miss, you end oh. up just missing missing a lot, and then the the change ends. That's something that I I, I can't really remember experience experience elsewhere in the 42 no. uh, it was uh been both a, a couple of times with cow and beef and there was always a bit of animosity so there are always there you're always switching and when you did there's it's quite a narrow from what I can remember it's, it's quite a narrow passageway so there's yeah. all there was always a bit of uh, needle which just added to the occasion
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, I, same here i'd never seen it anywhere else before and brilliant um yeah i I can't wait to get back. It's, this is making me depressed. <laughs> <laughs> the, you mentioned Kaplow. What What makes that one of your... Sorry, not one of your favourite ground? It is the most authentic ground left. I think if we were going to preserve a ground which we should, incidentally, which Historic Environment Scotland and others should be doing and should be listing them. They would for many other establishments. And Somerset Park Air United is the same. It is just the most original ground we have. Okay, it's been updated. There are some changes. There are some seats in in the cow shed um, along the side. But in terms of going in and being able to stand Um, on proper old terraces and lean against crush bars in terms of a Sabutio-style main stand to your left with the floodlights poking out of the roof with the wooden seats. Just unbelievable amounts of character. And then that big gaping terrace that runs along with those seats in the middle, but generally thought of as a terrace, the big roof, the beautiful two floodlights, which I think they got from Love Street, actually, um, in the corners, and then the wee Dublin end where the away fans are stuck to be rained on character and beauty but it's also what goes on outside the ground so it's being able to see one of the cranes from in the corner it's been able to feel the railway next to you and the hills and the sea on the other side and see those sugar sheds because it just shows that scottish football and its clubs are rooted in the industry and geography around them and all is part and parcel and all is interconnected and i think it just has everything from that point of view
1: just sticking on one of the one of the things you mentioned about the away fans Again, I'm all for encouraging, encouraging away fans to go to games. because I think a bigger away crowd makes for a better atmosphere and just for a better occasion as a whole. But I also think, as an away fan, you need to suffer a bit more. So I'm yes, thinking, exactly. I'm thinking Central Park, like Morton as well. So you're you're behind the goals, or no matter where you're sitting, so you are going to be getting battered by the elements.
0: Yeah, absolutely right, and it makes it makes it in a way even sweeter. But that goes right to the top of the game, doesn't it? Where you think where Newcastle United stick their away fans right up in top of the yeah. stand, and so yes, clubs must employ these tactics. I fully agree with that. From what you've what you've
1: discovered, how how central is the game north of the border to your writing?
0: It gave me back my love of the, the soul of the game, I think it's fair to say, regularly going up here. I, I got, Stramash, as I said, is 10 years ago. At that time, I, I still had my season ticket at Middlesbrough. Funnily enough, I've just bought one for next season in a, in a strange act of madness. Um, <laughs> and I was going back to watch people like Mido or Mido pick up. I think he was on tw- 25, 30 grand a week. Big, overweight, useless player. All of these players that were just well, taking the piss out of the club, and then going to see overpaid opponents. We were a premiership fixture back then. And I was slowly losing my love for the game. There's no doubt about it. And it has replenished that. And it didn't just replenish it once in Scotland, it it replenishes it frequently every time I go. I'm not absolutely misty-eyed about it at all. I've seen some terrible games that I just can't wait to finish so I can go back to the social club. But... It always replenishes my love for the game. Those mornings when I can't really be bothered and I look at the fixtures and think I'll go to Kokodi and it's cold and I get to Waverley and I think I could just go and sit in the pub and watch Jeff Stelling here. But I still go, I make myself go and I get there and I always come away feeling better. Terrible game or not, freezing or not, something happens, someone tells me a good story, anything. I just look at that, for instance, we're talking about Wraith, I look at the old wooden stand and feel better about football and and it replenishes me every time and i think i hope that never goes away really there's so much to be
1: distracted that even when the football is rubbish that there is characters within the uh, within the the stands like Kirkcaldy where you can see people walking past half the main stand and then on the other side you got <laughs> tr- you got the train going by
0: yeah Absolutely right. It's not just in the ground, is it? It's it's the views as well. So you think of Aloha and looking out to the beautiful hills. If you stood in the home end behind the goal, there's this geographical beauty and distraction as well to be had. And and it's it's about character because it comes down to uh, the fact that in these grounds you can look beyond. The architecture of them is interesting, and they're of different size, and they have nooks and crannies, and they have gaps, and they have holes, and they have faults. In a modern stadium, it doesn't happen and there's nothing really to see anyway because it's usually on the edge of town. And so that lack of movement and lack of investment has ended up being what's kept the heart in these places. But yeah, mainly it's looking around at, at the, the different people, um, you know, seeing who's trying to open a packet of crisps with their mouths, seeing mm-hmm. who's managing to balance all of their brown sauce on the very top of the pie, particularly unique Scottish skill. There's always something to watch. Do you find your football view indifferent from when you go to watch Middlesbrough? It's two different things, really, I think, because any game watching Middlesbrough, I care about, I don't see if it's a terrible game, because I don't care if it's a terrible game if we win. I think we're all like that about our teams. I'm um, committed, um, noisy, um, irrational. Um, unbearable <laughs> and I hope when I go to Scottish games I'm more considered and I'm looking around at different things um, and I am noticing the the game whether it's quality or not a bit more so it's almost like there's two different followers of football in that way um, Middlesbrough are your family I suppose and you love them and hate them all at the same time and neutral Scottish football is kind of your friend that you go along with and you have a good day regardless Brings us to Nutmeg. You've been involved from the
1: start, writing in, right in an issue one, you said the Nutmeg, impudent, cherished, ornamental, arrogant, even. It is an act of rebellion and a splash of art. Four years on and issue 17 is planned for September release. How pleased are
0: you that it's still going strong? Oh, it's fantastic to see. As you've mentioned earlier, I've taken the title editor recently to reflect being more involved. And this is the first time I've seen the amount of articles we're getting in on such a broad array of subjects. I know Ali that created Nutmeg, was worried at the start that we may eventually dry up on material. There are absolutely no signs of that. It's more writers are coming forward, more ideas are coming forward. And that's a lovely thing for me. It's a really nice thing as well to to be bringing through writers who haven't perhaps seen their stuff in print before because that's how we all get started mm-hmm. I got started in fanzines and bringing on board more established writers as well that you know that I've met down the years so to have them together in one magazine that's so finely designed and, and smells good as we always say and still going strong is a great thing and and plenty more of ideas into the future as well to keep it going not to change too much because it's a, it's a lovely thing and people love it but just to keep evolving it so it never becomes repetitive in in any way. That's the hope with it and and it continues to grow because the readership's up um, during the coronavirus and we hope to keep those readers and and keep building more. And actually we've seen a trend in more readers in England recently who don't even have much of an interest in the Scottish game but they get hold of a copy, they see it's a lovely thing and suddenly they're all set to come to Morton the next time the football's Mm -hmm. on again.
1: It's not just the magazine itself, the magazine is obviously the, the, the central part, but there's events and podcasts on the back of it. There's the Young Writers' Competition. Why do you think Nutmeg has been a success and why do you think it's it now really is a part of Scottish football?
0: I think, and you've been a huge part of this, if not the driving force in, in the terrace and view from the terrace, there's... A movement in the last few years to be a bit more positive about the game here and that that's not being rose tinted about it because a lot of what you do and what we do is to laugh at the the (laughs) shortcomings and things like that and point them out as well seriously um and but i do detect that that a change in tone from when i moved up here when it would always be looking over the border saying we haven't got the money we're not like it's a different sport to the sport in england and i i love both but there's more of a movement of celebration of Scottish football and Nutmeg's part of that. The terrorist stuff's certainly part of that and a number of other writers and and different movements. So I think that has tapped into the way we're feeling. We're thinking this game here has been battered for long enough and sometimes self-inflicted, mostly self-inflicted actually. "Let's, Let's celebrate it a bit more. So there's that. And then I've always felt there's thousands, tens of thousands of fans like us that like to sit down and read quality stuff about the game that have time and want to get away from the screen. We spend all our days and nights on screens and so the paper object, actually, okay, print is in perpetual crisis these days, but there is a market for quality paper objects still and for you to want to, you know, people send us pictures of them reading it by a lock or in the pub mm-hmm. or wherever uh, and you think, yes, because that's, that's a moment to yourself and we all need those. So the printing will remain, I, I hope, will we'll become rejuvenated. You know, some clubs are now doing print, or some fans are now doing print fanzines again, for instance. It's by no means dead and, and there's still that definite need for just you, a pint and some pieces of paper. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you mentioned about
1: fancying because there's there's actually an article I want to write for the for not Meg, I've talked to Ali about it. Just finding the time is, a, is about programs. I absolutely love yeah. programs. Yeah, that any time I go to a new ground, I'll make sure to get a program. I used to get them every game I go. To, I went to, but not the case anymore because again, you go to the pub afterwards. You're going night out, and it's just it's it can sometimes be a bit of a nuisance to to carry yeah. carry about. I probably still should buy. Should buy more, but my concern is that programs will, be, will become defunct, and I'm kind of hoping that that isn't the case. And again, like you said, that the the desire to actually have something uh, tangible to read and to remember by that that will prevent it from going out of kind of um, out of circulation, so to speak
0: yeah I, I really hope so I feel exactly like you Joe I, I stopped buying them for years and then now that I go with my daughter I always buy one um, and they're sort of piling up on her pink shelves she always goes why are you buying me one again and I just kind of go because one day you'll know I <laughs> think I hope and um, I absolutely hope programs stay alive I, I always buy one when I go to a different round I should say it's just I got out of the habit of the Middlesbrough one it got it actually got too good quality which sounds ridiculous but in terms of the thickness of the paper when you're as you say going pub to pub sticking that in it's a practical thing sticking it in jacket or your jeans just got annoying yeah you don't want to fold it uh, no, all of that, and so if, if you're not uh, going straight home as a younger fan or whatever, it's it's uh, becomes a bit of a burden. But uh, which brings me to I uh, hope programmes innovate. Why not a pocket-sized programme like an old size of the the wee book or something that just goes into your back pocket? There's room for innovation with them, definitely. Uh, uh, there's no reason they can't move forward and use how how great modern design is really and and be a bit more nifty about it and be a quid again maybe be, be two quid because mm. when they go up to 4 that's a sort yeah. of when you start to think
1: hmm. <laughs> yeah because it's a very good point about them being too good because you go to certainly european when it's like when it's a cup semi final cup final or hearts or whoever is involved in a european game uh, they become bigger and more um more professional more plush that they are uh, bigger pages cleaner pages it just, they just seem to be a lot a lot a lot cleaner but then it comes with more expense I, I do remember Hibs they trialed it if it was a few seasons ago now they trialed it and I think they basically stripped it right back and it was it was a pound but it didn't
0: last too long mm it's a struggle isn't it because it's reintroducing it to young people's habits particularly i think i don't imagine a lot of the sort of late teens and early 20s folks that go to matches buy one um whereas i was well in the habit by then so it's very habitual so it's about re-engaging them or or aiming at a a new audience isn't it but yeah the simple small program it should have um a, a column by the manager that ends yours in football and also wishes today's opponents good luck but only after today um it should have a, a, a sort of uh, an article from a chairman or board member with slightly um, strange opinions uh, and, and strong opinions i always like that when you get a smaller program it should have pictures of last week's game and it should have that beautiful page with all the fixtures and results with goal scorers in bold and attendances for you to stare at and pen picks short introductions to opponents they're the key category and of course a centrefold poster so when when they were simpler they were better like that and I think this thickness is probably one of the when you try and become something you're not which is a magazine people go elsewhere for a magazine they go to the match for a simple program like that
1: the bigger they've got, the the more advertising space they need to fill, and it just yeah, it does yeah. become like a a mini yellow pages. You think, oh, that's 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 a lot of pages, and when you're flicking through, it's like you could, it, you could be done reading it before uh, kick off, and you have got nothing else to read for for time. <laughs> on on your travel, just sticking on programs. Is there is there any particular program that stands out within Scottish football?
0: This is such a predictable answer and I can't believe I'm giving it again, but the Cowden Beef program is yeah, really yeah. good.
1: <laughs> that's, I think that's what I was, I, was, I was going to get to because if you didn't answer it, I was certainly going to bring it up.
0: No, I always remember it having a column called That's Fife as well, like That's Life, which I like. Yeah. Um, but just stuff you want to reprint. it simply, probably done on someone's PC at home um, on an early program, but it actually has really interesting stuff, a good quiz. Good bits about last week's match, and yeah, it's it's actually closer to a fanzine, but with that official stamp and access. So, yeah, I, um, per, frequently surprised by how good that is. That's damned by faint praise, isn't it?
1: Got a cracking name as well, the the blue Brazilian. Ah, oh, beautiful.
0: A good. Yeah, that's another ingredient for a program is a good name.
1: Do you think Not Make has been a great boost for fans who are looking for a avenue to write and? Uh, get their opinion across where they maybe don't have that ability within their own their club or from their fans where the, the, the fanzine scene has kind of
0: uh, fallen away I think there's plenty of places to write. There's probably more places than they've ever been due to the net. What what there aren't, as you say, are are print places to Mm -hmm. write. And nothing, and you know, as a a writer, I imagine still for you, nothing beats seeing your stuff in the printed version of of The Scotsman compared to the website. And I I think people still really, really feel that. It's all right, you see your article, it's good, you like it, you tweet it, great. Mm -hmm. But you get it on, and, and Nutmeg's particularly sumptuous paper, but you get it on paper of any type see your name see your stuff and it's brilliant it's electrifying the first time that happens to you is one of the it's the best time probably <laughs> not that everything's downhill it's still a thrill but um and I think to be giving other people that ability to have that thrill, yeah that that is something that's lacking so it's good to be able to do that a
1: particular d- direction you'd like to see it go or maybe not a direction would is there something that we can expect from that big that you'd like to introduce
0: I think sort of stronger themes, we did a grounds theme in the last issue where we'll have five or six articles on a particular theme. That's kind Mm. of happened sometimes in the past anyway when two or three things have come in and have made for a good grouping but just we'll drive a few more of of those very often just into my interest there you know into things with <laughs> <laughs> for, for different people so there won't be a Middlesbrough theme don't worry um uh, so that that's one thing but really to keep it going don't you know if you if it's, a, if it's a new manager's job it's about not changing a winning team but also to keep bringing new writers on whether it's people I've never heard of never heard from uh, just finishing university or not or a uh, school pupils whatever through to established writers just to keep the freshness of different voices, different angles, and uh, one exercise I'm going to go through is is going through all 16 so far and looking at in percentage terms what we've covered most, who we've covered most, and, and things like that. Because it's a good time to to look back and take stock and produce a nice pie chart of uh, how much Partick Thistle content we've had.
1: When I first get an upmake, the first thing I do is usually when I'm there, uh, first thing I do is kind of just flick through it. But the ones that always catch my eye and I find myself slowing down is the 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 galleries or the 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 stories which are led by pictures is that something that you're hoping to continue or have more of?
0: Yeah, I think um, more of a visual presence than there was at the start. Ali always intended it to be mainly printed, and it'll always be mainly the written word. But yes, yeah, certainly a bit more than right at the start when we just had perhaps the photo essay and not much else. In the last, the last one's a good guide really, where there's mm-hmm. a, a, a bit more uh, of illustration and photography. There isn't a photo essay in the next one. It doesn't look like there will be because Alan and I have just completely struggled to get material we, we realize the centrality of people to those photo essays we've done plenty about the externals of grounds before so we can't really go back we've done empty mm. grounds you know so there, there will be other photo content in issue 17 that we're working on at the minute but um, certainly we, it's another reason we need football back is for the photo essay <laughs> when you sit down and try and make we, we came up with a list the other day of urban goals because Alan and I love as, as loads of us love when you see a goal painted onto a wall and we were thought of three or four that we know of and then it's more something you just suddenly see when you're out it's not one yeah. you go off on a Saturday and get like we tend to do so um, yeah, we need fans to photograph we need players we need all of the colour of the match day back
1: Absolutely. And what about the, the podcast and events? Is there uh, anything special or uh, upcoming that you've got, got
0: planned? Or is there a certain guests you would like to talk to? again working on the, the list for the podcast for the next year of, of trying to get people the direction we were going in was to do more sort of mini documentaries which do take me a long time to edit but are really mm-hmm. worth it so going you know the things you and i have talked about going and making a podcast of that so going to our a bit like some of the stuff you do with the vts on on, on view from terrace of course um almost putting some of the chapters from stromash into a little podcast form so going to Gayfield and speaking to people that's that was very much on the agenda until until March when when all of that stopped so so certainly I moved back to that when we're allowed but for now um, the, the latest podcast is with mutual friend Danny Denham of East Five, which was and we did it face to face and it's the first non-computer podcast i have done for four months and it was an absolute joy just to be able yeah. to have that type of contact again and it's given me a bit of my buzz back for podcasting so I'll, I'll be sitting and making a list of people we'd like to get um, for me to interview and suggestions are always, always welcome.
1: Yeah. I thoroughly recommend the podcast with Danny Denham. It's it's, it's absolutely brilliant for those of uh, our listeners who maybe have not picked up a issue of nutmeg or have been living on a rock and don't know what uh nutmeg is. F- finally, Dan, w- what would you say to those, uh, those people who are unsure of it or who are maybe in need of a kind of a push to go and pick up a copy and, devour
0: it as it should be done. I think those who haven't seen Nutmeg before, you are able, if you live in Edinburgh, to go somewhere like Portobello Books and see a physical copy and a couple of different stockists in Glasgow as well. But what I would say is that it's a very tactile product, so it's, it's a nice magazine to have in your hands, and it's the, the diversity of the articles in there, there's always, it's a cliche, but something for everyone. It carries something like 80,000 words in each issue, Covering the past, the present, and into looking into the future of the game, so it's a diverse read. And I think generally, when someone gives it a go once, they come back and they subscribe. So there's there's a real diversity of topics in there. The ethos with Nutmeg again, similar to a view from the Terrace Television program, is that each club gets an equal footing. So you know, if we get a good article idea about Albion Rovers it gets the same space if it's that length as one about Celtic or Rangers so it's again about giving everyone a platform to write about their club and to have writers write on uh, writers who you've seen elsewhere write about your club is a nice thing as well and it smells brilliant as well and it smells beautiful do you know what goes into it to make
1: it smell just the way it does
0: It's like the secret of Iron Brew and Ali and I can't travel on the same plane uh, as we're the only people that know the secret ingredient.
1: That's very fair.
0: Well, Daniel, thanks very much for taking the time to speak to us about
1: your love of Scottish football and nutmeg uh, as well. It's, 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 it's been great. I always enjoy listening to I always enjoy your, you, you, the readings you do, the, the wee clips you do and put on, on, on Twitter. Uh, I would recommend anyone to pick up any of your books. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me. Thanks very much.